Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, I have Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. Today, we're going deep, guys. We're going deep, deep, deep down the strength conditioning rabbit hole, where we're going to be talking about and comparing the force velocity curve with our energy system development. Can we do them at the same time? Should we do them at the same time? Obviously, we know both things work coincidingly, but how do we pair up what we program into this context? Right. And I just think it's an interesting thought when you start to think about the qualities that we try and emphasize or the training effects that we try and get um, when we write our strength and conditioning programs. I think it's an interesting thought to see how really like reduced and simplified the the qualities are. Like I'm going to train this athlete for power. Okay. What is power? Power is between 60 and 80% of a one rep max. What does that actually mean? Right. Like, is it the speed that you move at? Is it, how do you demonstrate power? And like, or you think about, I'm going to train aerobic conditioning. It's like, what does that mean? All right. We're going to train a long, slow distance. We're going to train conditioning for a long time. And we can chop those up and and put them into their neat little training cubicles and say, we're going to put this packet and get a training effect out of this. But the reality of it, whenever in sport, like everything's happening all at the same time. And it's a beautiful mess and conglomeration of every athletic quality that there ever is. It's just interesting to me that as training coach, we try and chop it up and piece it all together. Um, So let's start playing with how we can mix these things up and combine them together. And what can we make from that? Well, and the, the funniest thing about all of this is I always talk about, I love strength conditioning so much because we get to isolate variables. We get to try to break things down. Think about like, um, it sounds super nerdy, but like you throw something into like a a particle uh, diffuser where it tries to like split everything up to the basic building blocks, like super nerdy. It, it reminds me of Pokemon, those little blocks. You could get your, your Pokemon to give them different powers and shit. So like, we want to be able to break it down as, as far as we can to try to isolate variables, knowing that in strengthening or in MMA, in every sport ever, all of those variables, variables come together and it, while we want to be able to say, hey, we affected the alactic power, hey, we affected their power endurance, whatever it may be, um, it doesn't always work like that. And there's a lot of different variables that come together outside of the training aspect um, as far as what this athlete is, is going through, what's going through their mind when they're competing, what are the different training variables that we hit in training that could be affected And what are the, I guess, training residuals from what we're doing? Because we do know that the training residuals for certain things last longer or last shorter than the other different variables you want to train. So maybe we wanted to train aerobic power, if you will. Those training residuals are going to be different things if we're just purely trying to break them down into just base building blocks, right? Yeah, it's real messy. Yeah, you kind of think about everything that goes into performance. Well, and so with that, it's how do we best make a program to suit the athlete in front of us and try to, I guess, mix in, keep it simple, stupid, the kiss, the kiss principle with all of the knowledge that we know by being a high level strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. But it, it also kind of opens the door to being like fun and creative. Like you can get intensity a multitude of different ways in the weight room, right? You can 
add volume, we can add intensity, you know, and add intensity means add like a psychological component or add weight on the bar or add um, a different stimulus in the environment. You, you can play with uh, like output and it's just a way that we can combine two things. So back to kind of the original premise of like this force of velocity curve and, and uh, energy system. Like if I want to see a, an alactic bout and that is that the same thing if I'm doing like a one RM versus like a sprint with a sled, like what's the, what's the difference that we got with those two things? And, and in all honesty, does it matter? I mean, one, you're going to get a different training effect than the other. So right. I guess but as far as like from the alactic system is what I'm, what I'm talking about. Cause they're both a one RM is going to be what a t- fuck three well, seconds. You get contraction speed. And I just, I suppose sure. that's a, that's going to matter in the long run. You're not going to get very powerful in your alactic output. with all the power. Right. And then if you're talking about like the weighted sprints, it, we can also change the variables. Like how weighted do we want these sled sprints? Because that also, that also changes, even though we want it to be a, a la- this and this is the other thing not to get too in depth too early but sometimes these athletes don't even know how to use the system that we're trying to go after and it's not developed yet so that's that's a very prevalent with lactic work where we're trying to have them do 30 30s they're not actually using their lactate system they're not pushing themselves hard enough to get into lactic use and therefore they're just using the aerobic system because they don't know how to use the system that's built right and, and i mean that's like building blocks i guess that's where like this athlete is a complete novice in the way or not even a complete novice, but they're just fairly novice, you know? And like, there's, that's your, that's when you do put in the time for basic strength or uh, tap into your alactic power or hit lactic, a lactic threshold. Like that's when just some type of training knowledge and training age comes into effect. But uh, it's just interesting the different ways that you can accomplish that goal, right? Like if I'm, I guess another way to say this is like, if I have somebody doing your lactic airdyne sprints, right, yep. what's the difference between having him do 30 seconds on the airdyne versus 30 seconds on a spin bike? They're going all out in both. Are you, I, are you asking a question? Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, um, in my mind, I mean, spin bike is going to be almost exclusively lower body while airdyne is going to be upper and lower. So yeah. that's, that's in, in my mind, that'll be the difference. And the resistance. Right. Yeah. Added resistance adds intensity. And it, and that's true. It depends on the added resistance of the the wind, right? For the air bike. But also you can fucking crank that shit up and you can turn this, hey, we need them going as fast as possible thing. That's the cool thing about a spin bike that I feel like people don't realize is that you could have them go as fast as possible in 12 seconds and have almost no resistance. Or you could just put a fuck ton of resistance on and have them go for for 12 seconds. Treasure. Both of them are completely different, different training effects, right? <laughs> but it's still in that 12 second in- interval where we're trying to train the alactic system. So I guess another way to break this down or continue to think about it, Austin, when you think of training energy systems, yes. And you think of differentiating between like, this is an aerobic interval versus this is a lactic interval. What's your first thought? Is it duration? Is it uh, resistance? Uh, is it exercise modality? What's your, your first consideration? My first, if I'm doing a building block for trying to do energy system development, it's going to be duration. That's my first step. So when I'm, when I'm doing that, cause we know these systems only have a certain amount of time, right? So 
if I'm, that's going to be my first step where the intervals are going to be anywhere between uh, under 15 seconds, if it's a lactic 30 to really 25 to two and a half to three minutes for lactic and anything above that is going to be our aerobic. Um, and this is in athletes that I know, know how to use their lactic system. Otherwise I, sometimes I do, I do two minutes on two minutes off or two minutes on one minute off for the aerobic system, because they, if they don't know how to use their lactic system, then they're not even getting that actual stimulus in the first place. So I'm just going to train them how to use the aerobic system, starting at a really, really low pace or at a really, really low interval, if you will. So then after that, well, then after that, just to continue through the three things you said. And so it was, what were the three variables? It was time, it was exercise selection. And it was, what was the third variable? Resistance or intensity. So I go typically, honestly, when I'm programming, it's going to be duration. Then it goes into uh, intensity um, or weight, whatever it may be resistance. Um, and then after that, it's going to go into exercise selection. Honestly, for the most part, my exercise selection is always last in my programming overall, like overarching themes, because I, when I think about programming, I think about goals, not exercises. It, I can, most of my programs, I can interchange I can interchange a power clean for a trap bar jump shrug. I can interchange a, uh, I just saw a cool one. Actually, I've never seen before. It was a, uh, cable tricep pushdown with triple extension. And it was like an actual jump. I'd never seen that before is yeah, it was, it was honestly a really cool idea. Um, so I was, I watched that. I can interchange that for a dumbbell jump shrug, like all of these different things. I could actually, technically that would be probably an assisted jump. So it would probably be interchanged with like a banded assisted jump, if you will. Um, but I can interchange all of these different exercises as long as the goal stays in place and the goal is triple extension or whatever the goal is. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I think exercises are exercises. You're, you're, you're training a stimulus, right? You're not training right. the exercise every time, but I think there is a, a skill component and an exercise selection component to where you can get a better means if you select the exercise first. Um, so like, I guess if I have an athlete that I know or like somebody that I know can't clean, right? And I want to do a power day, then obviously I'm going to select the trap bar before I determine the intensity, right? Mm-hmm. Or, um, or if I know I have, let's say an MMA person, I know that I can select med balls more than I, I should select like snatching, right? Because that's just going to be more accessible. Right. Uh, so I think I, I agree with your point to an extent, but I think there's also like little tricks as far as a strength coach that you can do that almost like predispose your athletes to a certain output. Like I know with some of my rugby guys, like as soon as I get the sled out, like it's go time. Like they're going to go yeah. hand. Like it's not it's not like, oh, we're going to get the sled out and do some moderate intensity work. You know, like if I want to do moderate intensity work, like let's go to the bike or something right. else. But yeah. if I want the high output, because that's how we've always trained on the sled, right? Mm-hmm. If I want the high output, let's get the sleds out. Um, so I think there are some some tricks you can do with exercise selection uh, to an extent. But I would tend to agree with you back to the, the original question that duration determines uh, more of your energy systems. But then you get into some interesting like interval situations where you can do like sprint repeats or like lactic sure. power endurance. Yeah. Where you don't get complete rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then the like intensity really matter because mm-hmm. if, uh, if you slam it on the first one and then you have like, like, if I put somebody for sprint repeats on a heavy sled push, like there's just point blank never getting back. Right. 
No, hundred percent. And so I've actually been doing something recently, like bringing up power endurance. Um, so I got that, uh, VBT, the rep one VBT. Absolutely love it. Highly recommend. It's the cheapest way to get into the linear transducer VBT game. So rep one strength, check it out. But I've been doing something recently where the athlete needs to stay. It's as many reps as possible in a trap bar jump shrug, staying above 1.1 meters per second at, uh, 40 or sorry, 35% of their max. And they just do that over and over and over and over again. And that's a that's where we're talking about. Should that be a trap bar jump shrug? That should be an alactic stimulus. If we think about quote unquote, what's going on, what's going on, it's a power-based movement that should typically be in an alactic setting. But if we do that, somebody like I had somebody on Saturday, he did uh, 24 reps in a row above 1.1 meters per second, which to me, I'm like, hey, there's two different things going on. That's probably not his actual 35 to 40% Correct. A, but or B, he never needs to train it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But B, that ended up being 28 seconds. I think it, it ended up being like 28 seconds of work. That is no longer an alactic stimulus at that point. So it was complaining. It? it was training a completely separate thing. I don't know. I question that, like that textbook cutoff, but. Uh, well, all right. The energy systems all work together. We we've discussed this at length on the podcast, but it's no longer a primary alactic stimulus. Once it gets above 20 seconds. Yeah. Yep. I can't. (laughs) So Uh, it's, it's even though it went against, so like to me, I, I immediately thought the bad things I'm like, well, that's not as fucking, that's not as 35, 40%. But then it made me question my whole thing where I'm like, Hey, what if I use this for a different stimulus? What if I, instead, what if this mistake that I made quote unquote can turn into a different way to go about energy system development? And it brings it back to the entire topic we're talking about comparing energy system development to the force velocity curve. This was that speed strength movement, the trap bar jump shrug. That's one of our favorite movements. And if we just play with the variable that is resistance a little bit, we can bring it into a completely different context where we can use the trap bar jump shrug as a fucking grinder and and getting into the lactate work by just changing the actual, uh, the actual resistance on the bar and keep giving them changing it from, Hey, you're doing sets and reps X, Y, and Z to, Hey, we're doing this for a objective measure of meters per second, or we're just doing this for time. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, uh, that's uh, introduces a lot to the, the, you know, exercise science game. Like I'm always a big fan of when you select an exercise, you want to be able to utilize the exercise up and down the force velocity curve, yeah. but you can also choose an exercise that you can utilize up and down like an energy system development curve like mm-hmm. i mean forever and always running right like if i want to train aerobic system i go on a long distance run if i want to train a lactic i sprint 50 meters 60 meters whatever yep. um trap bars that same way landmines that same way the sled is that same way uh med balls can be that same way if you get heavy enough with them which yeah. is kind of specialty women but um but no the Spe- minimum speaking of that sorry to cut you off do you see xd got bought by trx remember you, yeah, we, they were going out of business and I bought a bunch of med balls as they're going out of business and they never sent a bunch of bricks. So well, I just got an email from TRX saying, hey, welcome XD med ball, 40% off on your first purchase. I'm like, I don't trust Ooh. I don't trust <laughs> anyways, if you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG one. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. 
Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run up early and home late, so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. Um, but no, minimum minerals. velocity threshold training. I really like that um, that method, and that is a research method to get more into that, Austin. Um, people typically, I've seen it done mostly to do like a safe one rep max. So like it, once you get slower than like 0.25 or 0.3, seconds or whatever then like we'll just cut it there and that'll be your one rep max um but the minimum velocity threshold is a really good uh objective way to measure like when you're done right because i think Mm -hmm. forever and always like it's like the coach's eye like they're no longer being powerful we got to be done with these intervals right you know but now you got a number that spits out to you and you can completely read off of that uh, to know like genuinely what is happening um with this athlete and their performance and that's the, the other thing, like strength and power are both skills too, right? They, like people have different skill sets. Like maybe that person that, that got above 1.1 on their trap bar jump strike, maybe they're just a really twitchy person and they're right. really good at the jumps. And then we say that's 25, 30, whatever percent of their 1RM. It's because their 1RM is trash because they're not good at strength, right? Correct. So like that's happened to me a million times in, in my athletic career, like, I uh, will do a, like a quote unquote like 10 RM 
and I hit a sky high number and I look at the weight charts and it's like, all right, my max bench is 500 pounds and I get stapled <laughs> by like 250. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, it's interesting when you apply that to a, a particular context. And this is kind of what I was trying to get at earlier when I was nitpicking it for saying, uh, the textbook de- definitions of like not a lactic work, like people are n equals one. It's an individual case. And you kind of always have to account for that and look at the, the entire context to see what is happening. For sure. So Alex, what are some of your favorite, well, let's, let's practicalize mm-hmm. this right. conversation. What are some of your favorite ways to train both power and well, let's just go alactic power. What are some exercises? If we're talking about the high end of each curve where we're doing high output for both. What are we looking at? Um, alactic power. I like split sprints. I've done that a ton. Uh, air dyne work is fantastic. Um, I get caught up on these because you need something that gives enough resistance, but not too much. Right. Yep. So like mm-hmm. the air dying gives enough, but like, I couldn't do this with a med ball because there's just not enough resistance unless I get like a 20, 30 pound med ball. Um, so I go air dying, I go first the climber, I go sled sprints and I don't for a lactic power. Um, I don't you typically go above like 10 seconds is a, mm-hmm. is a pretty, a hefty dose of like complete all out push. Um, and then, so I like that. And then, I mean, if you want to get super technical, it's like complete rest between, um, intervals, but that's not a a practical solution. Um, and hopefully I think a lot of MMA athletes are in shape enough that 90 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, that's plenty. Um, and then I've been really liking, uh, more and more recently, like turning that into an active recovery. Mm -hmm. Shadow. I have shadow boxing, shadow boxing, jump roping, uh, no, it's like, like fart, like running, like yeah. sprint the, um, straight away on the track, walk the next 300 meters, sprint straight away, walk. Like, mm-hmm. um, those are easy workouts that you, you can kind of do to train your, uh, alactic power, your explosive repeat, uh, which to get from alactic power to explosive repeat, all you do is cut down that rest. Yep. So you don't need, you don't need 90 seconds, two minutes rest in between your 10 second bouts. You need about 30, yeah. 20, uh, well, that's where I get in. That's where I throw in my EMOMs or that's where I throw in my every 30 seconds yeah. type work. Uh, but the other thing that I, that you could talk about too, is like, if we're doing a lactic work, it doesn't have to just be power. That could be our speed work as well. That could be our, we could add in our plyos as well. We can add in all of these different high, I guess, high velocity based movements into our a lactic system. It doesn't have to just be, Hey, I'm lifting a fuck ton of weight as fast as possible. Right. It's Hey, I'm doing these ex- very explosive movements in this set given time frame, and that's why I bring it back to my time frame is my first variable that I look at because anything that I can do in that time frame, quote unquote, applies to a lactic training. Agree to disagree. Um, well, all right. You're not, it's you're like the, it's like the lactic, lactic stuff we were talking about. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, 100% plyos are, are great modality um i just get bogged down with like continuity and the coordination that it takes so it, it's almost got to be like a skill of, yeah. right so if i'm gonna like program like broad jumps for a six to ten second interval like i hope you're fucking good at broad jumps because those get otherwise those are gonna get wrecked yeah or if you like think about <laughs> box jumps box jumps are just too inconvenient to do that because then you'd have to either jump back down which is not a great thing or like quickly step off and around and then comp but um and then i mean i really like kettlebells for a lot of conditioning but again there's a there's a the ceiling's too low Right. If we're talking about a lactic stimulus, like, uh, I mean, unless you're throwing the kettlebell, uh, 
that. No, I've, and I've made that mistake too. Like I've, I've tried to use like a kettlebell swing, which is one of my favorite exercises for MMA trains, yeah. double braced, hip power, da, da, da. But even with, we have a 97 pound kettlebell in the, in the clinic, big old fucking kettlebell. That's I don't personally think that's a good enough stimulus for the athletes I'm working with to be in that a lactic timeframe that I was trying to use it in every well, joint. It's a, it's a low ceiling on a closed chain. Yeah. Right? Like, like at least with like a sprint or a sled sprint, you have a little bit of an open chain that can continue to produce that power versus a kettlebell swing, which are fantastic lack system right. work. You can yes. Almost and that's it. where I, that's where I use it now. Kettlebells are, are fantastic. I um, mean that, and then you can get really creative with kettlebells as far as like, uh, circuits or complex i don't know that's some of the most fun um, that i so big big kettlebell guy well and and then getting into you said lactate what are some of the different things how i personally when i'm programming lactic work and trying to compare uh force velocity to lactic work i tend to use a lot of strength-based movements for the most part. So if I'm, if I'm trying to do lactic work, it's going to be for the, for the most part, unless I'm isolating a variable on an air bike doing like univariable sprints and shit, I'm going to do like a trap bar deadlift, uh, integrated with heavy sled pushes integrated with air bike work and doing multivariable work or multivariable work in a given time frame, and then giving them a one-to-one rest. Uh, for what we were just talking about right there, it would be so a off the top of my head, I'm trying to think back to last week, somebody I had, um, it would have been a kettlebell swing. It was 12 kettlebell swings with a 95 pound or 97 pound kettlebell. Then it would be a two down and backs on. So 40 meters on the turf at 180 pounds on the sled. And then over to the bike, you're doing 25 calories, which equated for that person to right around, um, about a minute ish. So it ended up being about a two minute time frame. And it was however much you were working, you get a one-to-one work rest ratio. So if they were doing two minutes of work, you get two minutes of rest. It's brutal, man. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. That, I don't know. That almost seems to be more like a uh, lactic capacity. Oh, were we, I wasn't talking about, I was just uh, talking lactic work. No, I was just speaking an observation. Yeah. Um, so I guess where that comment came from is, is we talked about, we've talked about uh, Joel Jameson, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. conditioning. And what he does is he breaks up each energy system into three different categories. So you have capacity, you have power. So I guess let's define them capacity. How long can you maintain this output for this energy system? Right? Yeah. Like if I'm doing my alactic work and let's say your alactic work only counts if it's 95% or higher, how long can you maintain 95%? Most humans cannot keep, electric work longer than 10 to 12 seconds general figures um and then you have your uh power so in that 10 to 12 seconds for your electric work how high can you get your output so how powerful is your system um how hard can you go while staying in that system but if like electric works it's just like literally as hard as you can work at all um if we get into like even like the aerobic system has a power component to it like mm-hmm. how long can you maintain right under your lactic threshold like uh, and that that's called threshold training. um and then the third component which was was kind of his um asterisk or his kind of mark that he made was his economy of yeah. the system uh how long or how much does it cost you to maintain that system how much does it cost you to hit that power and stay there and like can you be more economic and not kill yourself to maintain that um so 
when I, I program different energy systems, I look at it from a power component versus a capacity component. So Austin was saying earlier, the lactate system works from 25 seconds to almost three minutes, just depending on your training history and everything like really good wrestlers that grew up in wrestling rooms. Like they have no problem with this lactic capacity. They can maintain a pretty high output for three plus minutes, which is the sport, right? Which is a three minute period, six minute round, whatever. Um, Where I see a lot of MMA guys and even wrestling guys struggle is the lactic power. So this is like uh, maintaining a scramble chain wrestling, um, continuing your combination for like that 30 second, super high intensity go. It's -hmm. like, that's the hardest thing almost to do in sports, right? But especially in MMA, can you maintain close to your alactic output for 30 to 45 seconds? Uh, so when Austin goes through his two minute circuit with pretty heavy resistance and one-to-one work rest, I think capacity, I think he's Correct. training. How long can this person uh, maintain their lactic output? Mm-hmm. 100%. And trying to get and for that person in particular, trying to get them, it, it was actually improving the economy. The last one you were talking about, how well can, or how much is it costing that person to maintain that two minutes? Because if they're shredded, if a one-to-one work rest ratio isn't working as far as capacity goes, then I know that their economy of the lactate system is not good. If they can't recover at a one-to-one on a capacity work, that means that we've fucked up in some way, shape, or form. And that's where we start focusing on trying to implement recovery modalities or implement different, different ways to try to train the lactate system a little bit more efficient. Right. Or, or that's where you can make modifications for your training. You, yep. you look at like this person can't recover in the one-to-one. So one of two things have to happen. I have to increase the rest or I have to take down the intensity of the work. Yes. Right. And so either one of those two things, um, cheat codes here, it almost always works better to increase the rest because yeah. nobody wants to go less <laughs> hard. Um, yes. So with that athlete, like they can't recover increase the rest, you know, 30 seconds, like trial it out. And that's where you almost like lead with your practices, like figure out where you're at. All right. This person mm-hmm. can't recover unless it's like a two to one rest. Okay. Let's create a program where we can uh, provide an overload and continually progress down to maybe in four or five, six weeks, depending on timeline. We do, we can recover in that one-to-one. Right. And mm-hmm. that's like strength conditioning in a nutshell, but yeah. So um, what I wanted to say is we're, we were actually trialing, uh, the other day, because we made this observation that a lot of our athletes are not good in the lactic power realm. And so yeah. we were trying to configure a test or like a uh, yeah an exercise test that we could test that uh, lactic power and see how we can get out. And I want to hear what you think about this, Austin, because it sucked doing it. Um, <laughs> what we did was we took uh, 25 yards of turf, okay, and we set a cone, 25, two cones, 25 yards apart. Go five yards in from those cones, and that's your start and finish line. So this is kind of like a yo-yo intermittent test. Yeah. Okay. But we have a sled, and you're pushing between 25 to 35 percent of your body weight. Okay. And you're pushing, so it'd be 15 yards in the middle. You push, sprint as hard as you can, 15 yards. Leave the sled there. Walk or jog around the five-yard cone. Come back to the sled. Haul ass back. Walk or jog around. And it's how many yards can you get? in a minute trying to think about it yeah i mean it makes it makes sense that sounds really shitty <laughs> yeah i mean uh, again i it, but you get a really good distinction of like when your lactic power is up right because you can see yeah. people literally like the first sprint you're going let's say like 
20 miles an hour yeah. like the third or fourth sprint it's like you're fucking stuck in mud and you're going like seven yeah i mean that's normally i i do the air bike work that's do, that's right do you do 30 30 or you turn that into a test or you just yeah. do like a set distance no i do 30 30s and just try to force through try just to see so typically it'll be a 30 30 for uh anywhere between three to five okay and you just yeah. watch for when they die or when output, or I guess you can watch yeah. RPMs. On the- yeah, typically, typically for the most part, it lasts three, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless it's a like a high level wrestler. Oh, so but yeah, but yeah. So I honestly, I like that test a lot. Um, why'd you get? Did you just kind of decide on the twenty five to thirty percent on the sled? Brainstorming, and then um, yeah, we, we trialed a couple different weights, but like fifty percent. Yeah, uh, and I think I ended up going, and I had forty-five pounds on there or something. It was enough weight on the sled to where you felt the weight, but not enough to like stop you from sprint. We want, we want the yeah. output to be high, right? right. We want, right. we want a decently high output for however long you can maintain the minute. Just accumulate total yardage, and then mark that as our um, output. But again, we're gonna have to collect data, normalize it, and see if it actually yeah. is, does uh, it do what you want it to do. <laughs> I also, I, I've heard of, I have buddies. Um, back in Illinois that they use, um, a lot of the skiers, the skier, that's what they do. A lot of their lactate power work on for whatever reason, they've found that the, the skier works a little bit better for their athlete. They don't work with MMA athletes. They work with football players. Um, but that's what they've been doing for their lactate work. And it's supposedly working really well on the 30, 30 paradigm. Yeah. We have a good culture around like the first climber and like our yeah, like, Tabata, yeah. how many yards or how many uh, meters bought yeah. kind of uh, culture built our yeah. guys. So, uh, but in any way, what do you pair up with the aerobic work? So that's, so if we're bringing it back to, so if we think about the force velocity curve, when right. I think about force velocity curve, it's a lactic work is typically going to be our power stuff and our speed stuff. Our lactic work, I use a lot of strength-based lactic work in there and combine the two. And then if I go over to the aerobic system and I'm trying to quote-unquote pair the right stuff, it's going to be more of our endurance work with aerobic system. Aerobic work is interesting because it's your lower resistance stuff, but it's also your lower velocity, which which typically uh, doesn't sound like an athletic combination. No. Not at all. Low resistance, low velocity. <laughs> go be an athlete. Um, and go but, be bored also. Right. But that's where um, you can get um, a little bit into like some high resistance intervals yeah. where you do like 10 minutes with high resistance. And like, and that sucks. Um, and you have to be careful about like uh, like uh, anatomical or site-specific endurance, right? So yeah. like, let's say I want to do aerobic work with the sled and I'm going to do high uh, resistance, like my quads are just going to tap out before anything, before I get to the adaptation of high intensity aerobic work. Um, so that's when I, well, that's when I bring in high intensity continuous training. So that's, that's, I do that a fuck ton with, with the athletes that, Hey, might not be the best with their aerobic system. And one I've been doing recently is, um, not recently, probably I, I had an athlete doing the complex about two months ago, but it was, 10 minutes on the clock, every two and a half minutes you switch, you're doing sled sled pushes down and back with 1.5 times your body weight. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we, the, our dumbbells go up to 65 pounds, 65 pound dumbbells, uh, step ups on a 
12 inch step Boy, just doing that over and over and over again yeah how long just an hour session uh it started it started eight minutes got all the way up to 14 minutes yeah. through the progression yeah, i think that uh, i think that guy that we put out for uh the conditioning goes up to like i think it's like 10 minutes is what's recommended on it yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah that i like that the high intensity rope high intensity um, that's a good modality too for people that don't want to fucking go runs or oh yeah yeah. do cardio otherwise um heavyweights shots uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking heavyweights but but no so typically you're like low resistance type of stuff uh for the aerobic system but i think also uh, a, a key consideration for that and i don't know I, I almost hate saying this because it sounds like a cop-out but like your pace drilling at practice like you can watch people drill and you can see how good of shape strictly oh, yeah. by what their drilling pace is, mm-hmm. right? If people like are drilling at a pretty high pace and they're maintaining it throughout your 90 minute, two hour practice, they're going to be in shape. If yep. guys are fucking off the drills and like, but then when it's sparring, it's time to go, they go really hard and they get tired. It's like, yeah, because you're not putting the foundation work. Right. Yeah. right? So that's another key takeaway. If you're a strength coach going to practice, watch the pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can learn a lot, both. Uh, mentally work ethic and conditioning wise by people's pace for sure. And it also kind of, it, that's the cool thing about being a strength coach going to practice is if you start picking up on and you start talking to the, to the skill coaches about these different things, like you say, Hey, I just want to watch their pace of their pace of drilling. And they're the skill coach. Be like, I never even fucking mm-hmm. thought of that. That wasn't, that wasn't something that that was in my mind. So you guys can bond over that and that taking like that variable of the practice, not just, Hey, are they completing the moves? Right. But what's the pace at which they're drilling and how does that affect their overall aerobic system work? And then bringing that up allows you to have a little bit more of an in with the coach, if you will. Absolutely. And, and I don't know, I want, I want to caution too. Like that, that's not to say all of your conditioning work is done at practice, right? <laughs> right. You need to have some extra supplemental work or just know your strengths and weaknesses and, and be willing to work on those. But, um, as far as like conditioning modalities too, if we're talking force velocity curve, let's take that away and let's think about like conditioning modalities in sport practice. Like I, that's been like, I think a, the, one of the biggest like misses and MMAs like come to with high performance is like all these intervals that we're talking about, like on the air dine, on the sled, on, on whatever else you can do those in the gym. For like, sure. The time interval, the resistance, like, all right, I want to do lactic intervals. I'm at the gym, grab a partner and just drill takedowns. Like mm-hmm. how many takedowns can you get in 30 seconds? That is lactic power through the teeth, yeah. right? Or like how hard can you hit the heavy bag for 10 seconds? Like, yeah. I mean, your form is what it is, but like the goal of this training is output. Like how hard can you fucking hit for 10 seconds? Yeah. You know, and then and then go jump rope or go shadow box for 90 seconds. Like, and then come back and have another 10 second power interval. Like, um, everything that, that, that we're talking about as far as energy system development, like a stimulus is a stimulus is a stimulus, just like stress is stress is stress to your body. Yeah. You can do all this in the, uh, practice rooms too. I think that's, a some, a place where skill coaches can find value in this podcast. Um, it doesn't have to just be like weight room talk. Like we have, been yeah. doing. uh, you can integrate that into like, instead of just, all right, we're going to go five minutes on one minute off is sparring at the end of practice. Let's you know, let's specify to what we're actually trying to, uh, or to a goal that we're trying. Right. 
No, hundred percent. And I think that's like you said, it's one of the most extreme, one of the most overlooked things in all of the combat sports world is taking what we know from research about energy system development and applying it to skill work and skill training because it's easily implementable, but for the most part, completely overlooked. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, I get it. The skills with the skill is, and like when you're working on tech that, but like how many hours of gym, not just hundred yeah, percent, just be more more beneficial with your time yeah, that for sure but, all right is that a is that a podcast where we talked about resistance and energy systems the whole time i think so i think that was a science podcast if if i do say so myself yeah i don't think it's bad i think there's a lot of practical tips in there like, uh, I, mean, we didn't even, I tried <laughs> I, I kept raining you back <laughs> every time you went i would cut you off <laughs> i like to explore this open area outside of my head sometimes i like to question what they say in textbooks because they're all liars with agendas true. it's true a bunch of fuckers that's make money I do. Uh, they make they make money and they sell equipment that's what i learned from you actually that the yes. fitness world was all based around the equipment you could sell that's what was popularized literally strength and conditioning exercise routines first came with like came from manuals you get with extra like Jesus. like you you buy the like hammer strength like or the hammer strength let's say cable machine do these workouts on the cable machine okay that's what we do it's like, conditioning. it's like asking the pharmaceutical rep hey is this safe <laughs> how do i take this yeah. all right cool that's the best <laughs> oh fuck well if you like the podcast please like share subscribe do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends um Please, if you got to get in contact with us, if you want to talk more about this topic, you want to dive into the weeds with Alex, I know he loves to do that. Uh, all of our contact information is in the show notes. We also have our website up, running, and um, it is beautiful. So if you, got, if you need programs, if you need any sort of literature on combat sports training um, or anything in general, you want to try to uh, do a low back course, say you've had low, previous low back pain and you want to get back into the swing of things, we got something for you there too. So please head to the website and check out what we got. As always, this is Dr. Austin Shane, Alex Shreven, and we are out. Oh.